we might be out of here. Wouldn't that be terrific? <clears throat> if you have your Bibles, I invite you to take them with me and turn to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 12. We've been digesting. How many have grown as we've learned Romans chapter 12? I pray that we've learned and we're growing. The Bible says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. So Paul is urging based on what? The mercies of God. The mercies of God, knowing who God is, motivates us to do this. What is it to do? To present our bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Why? That's exactly what Christ did for us. A living and holy, accept, which is acceptable to God, which is the least we can do. It's, it's logical. It makes sense. It adds up, if you will service of worship and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed metamorphosized by the renewing of our mind through the word of God that you may prove what is the will of God is and that which is good and perfect and acceptable for through the grace given to me I say to everyone among you do not think more highly of himself than we than he ought to think but to think so as to have sound judgment be fair be honest as God has allotted each a measure of faith for just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. In other words, we, many people have said this for years and years and years. I don't know that I agree with it totally. It depends on where it goes. But a husband and wife relationship, they complement one another. Is that true in a sense? Absolutely. The strengths of the husband are not the strengths of the wife. The strengths of the wife are not the strengths of the, of the husband. And we work together. That same idea, that family idea, is also what takes place in the local church. Amen? So we, who are many, with all different functions, amen, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. In other words, we are together as a family. We encourage each other. We lift each other up where we fail. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace that given to us. In other words, these gifts aren't conjured up within ourselves. Amen. These are gifts given by God to us to perform a function within the local church that serves each other. Basically, this church is not for you, it's not for me, it's for one another. We're here to serve each other. We're here to serve God. We're here to glorify Him by serving one another. So we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If you've been given strongly in the book of prophecy, then do what? Prophesy. If you have the gift of service, then what? Serve. If you are teaching, then what? Teach. If you exhort, exhort. This isn't rocket science. He who exhorts an exhortation, he who gives, freely gives. 
He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And before we continue, I do have to say one thing about this. When we talked about in the passage of Scripture, he who gives with liberality, I used an example that I don't want you to get the wrong idea. I used the example of my wife giving eggs. Remember that? Because there's an abundance of them. I was told after the service, you know you just gave advertising to sell eggs. That was not the purpose of that statement. That is in no way, by the way, it did. <laughs> but there is no way that I did that. for. And I didn't even realize it until they come in. I said, oh, I have to tell you, that is not the reason. How many get that, please? I, I would never use the pulpit to do that. That's ridiculous, wrongheaded, foolishness. I, I don't want people selling anything within the church. That's just not the place. Thank you. One person agrees. I agree. He who leads? How? This is a big word because we're going to see this word again when we're talking about live with diligence or with zeal. Listen, leaders don't coast. Amen? Leaders don't coast. He who shows mercy. Ugh, I got to go show somebody else mercy. Oh, brother. That ain't showing mercy. That's arrogance. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love, this is where we started last week. Let love be without hypocrisy. So all of these gifts that we just talked about are fundamentally based on this idea of genuine love. And genuine love can only be found within Christ. Amen. And since we are in Christ, we too can have genuine love as opposed to what kind of love? Hypocritical. We dealt with this whole thing last week. I shouldn't say the whole thing, but we dealt with it and introduced it. So what does this genuine love look like? And this is where we're talking about this morning. Abhor that which is evil. In other words, we talked about this last week. Abhor that which is evil. What does that mean? Hate evil. Hate evil. Cling to that which is good. So we find that genuine love versus hypocritical love. Genuine love is not self-motivated love. We find that in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Hypocritical love is disguised love of self, which is absolutely true. I'm being nice to you because I want you nice to me. Is that genuine love? No. Genuine love is going to the cross, dying on the cross, even though you were an enemy of Christ. That's genuine love. That is the, that is the pattern we are to follow. That is the example we are to follow. Hypocritical love is disguised love of self. We find right away in the text, genuine love hates evil. Jude chapter, Jude verses 20 through 21 and verse 23 deal with that exact same thing. Genuine love cleaves to that which is good. And this is, what, what does that mean to cleave? Give me an idea. What have you, where have you heard this word before, to cleave? Marital. Exactly. We are married to goodness. Genuine love. It should be, it, it's a part of who we are because we're in Christ. Let me ask you this. Is Christ in you and you in Christ? Yes or no? then genuine love should abound. 
will abound. Genuine, unhypocritical love will abound. It's cleaved. We're married to it. We're glued to it. We can't get away from it. That's the idea. We find that also in Philippians 4.8. Genuine love is greater than blood love. And I misspoke when I wrote this. Because after studying this week, I didn't think about this, but I think it's really cool. What, when I say blood love, what does that mean? Right, family love. Are we married to our family? Yes or no? Because of blood. Yeah. I've heard many people say, I love my brother, but I don't like him. Um, and I'm not talking me personally. I've just heard people say that. What are they saying? Blood goes deep. So this term here is talking about that type of love. But I will tell you this. It depends on what blood you're talking about. Think about that. Because the greatest love that was ever expressed was based on the blood of Jesus Christ. That is not the blood I'm talking about here. That blood was genuine blood. Amen? And to be honest with you, that's the blood we were reborn in. The blood of Jesus Christ brings us together. Amen? That's a big deal. Genuine love is greater than familial love, is what I was trying to say. But then the blood issues, uh, okay, there's an issue there, but got it. Okay. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, do you have any other other relatives than that? <laughs> and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. By the way, that word cannot be my disciple, what does that mean? Some people mean, well, that's the next step of spirituality. It's not what that's saying. But that's for another discussion. <laughs> Genuine love, this is where we're going to spend our morning this morning. Genuine love out honors others. Look what the text says. We're in the book of Romans, chapter 12. Let me get back in my text here. <clears throat> be devoted one to another verse 10 in brotherly love giving give preference to one another in honor this idea of giving preference that's the verse that we're dealing with give preference to one another what does that mean to give preference to one another well i will be honest with you and uh if you were to study this text you would find that the answer to that question, what does it mean to give honor to somebody else? What is that, what's it talking about? I'll be totally honest with you. I have no idea. And no commentators do either. Because the verb that is in there is not used anywhere else in Scripture. And therefore, it's hard to distinguish what it's talking about. Matter of fact, if you have a New International Version, that version would say, honor one above, uh, above yourself. If you have an NASB, 
it would say give preference to one another in honor. If uh, one version says be eager to show respect for one another. Another one says let each man consider the other worthy of more honor than himself. Um, give preference to another person. And the one that may be the closest is taking the lead in honoring one another. That might be the closest. Now, that's not found in a translation. That's found in a grammatical exegesis of that verse. Does that make sense? But either, however you look at it, it's honoring others more than self. No question. Honoring others more than self. Now, the reality is, the love within the Christian family is not pushing yourself to the forefront. Is it not? In other words, why are you doing what you're doing? Is it to promote self? There are people that come to church because they want a bigger business. Literally. And they'll tell you that. There are people that come to church and all they want to do is run the church. That never happens in our churches. There's a guy right now who wants, he wants to talk to me. He said, he's talking to a friend of mine. He said, I, I hear that this guy has started a church and, and, and I'm going to do that. Uh, and by the way, <laughs> how many have ever heard of Greenville, South Carolina? Okay, I'm not talking about Greenville here, but if you go to Greenville, South Carolina, you will find an independent fundamental Baptist church on every single corner of the streets. You say, well, that's an exaggeration. Not really. Do you know why that is many times? Because someone's not getting their way. They're putting themselves above them, above everybody else. They should be running it. Right now, somebody is going to be talking to me shortly, prayerfully. I hope he does. But he wants to start a church in a town where he is presently already ministering to a church, but doesn't like everything that's going on, so he's going to start his own. He hasn't any theological background, no training, but he wants to do it. Why? It's not going my way. That is the exact opposite of genuine love that honors other people. It's, it's me first. I've got it right. Right? That doesn't have any... There's no place for that in the local church. Amen. How does that look like within this church? What does it mean to love out honors or out gives or... Um, uh, uh, is considering leading and honoring one another. What is that talking about? Well, people, let me give you the opposite. People do not find it pleasant to give honor to someone else, for they suppose that they themselves are being deprived of something. Now then, so here's the deal. This is a real thing today. My boy didn't get recognized for playing baseball. The other people got a trophy and I didn't. 
Am I making sense? Are you filling in the blanks? Everybody deserves a trophy, right? For participating. Why is a trophy of participation now in every sport and it's universal? Why? Because we can't get over this. That's the issue. Now, that's a game and that's fleshly and, and, and non-spiritual. I get that. But if the application is the same. I've heard it many times because I've been in the meetings and they sit around, well, how can we recognize everybody here? We gotta, can't just recognize one or two. We've got to recognize everybody because we, we don't want anybody left out. Let's just be honest with it. They are the ones that chose to be left out by not doing the work. <laughs> Could you imagine the Awanas program when everybody gets a trophy? For what? For being there. <laughs> Folks, we should be honoring other people first. The Bible says it this way. Let nothing be done. This is possibly one of the interpretations and understanding of this word. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. We do that by listening to people. Some people, I will agree, I will admit, sometimes I have a hard time listening to somebody. They want to talk theology, and I'm like, uh, whoa, I've I got to start taking notes. What about this verse? What about this? How many understand what I'm talking about? But we don't listen to people. We jump ahead and try to answer before we even know what they're talking about. How many understand that? I remember sitting at McDonald's in Grand Rapids, and there was a pastor came down from, uh, from up north. I just had met him. First time I met him, we have a common friend a dear friend and we sat down and i started talking and he he had never been in this area he didn't know what was going on and i had lived here for 15 years with the free grace movement stuff going on how many understand that so i was like here's what's going on and i'm starting to list all these theological things I, i'll never forget this it'll never go out of my mind because this is exactly what he did he stopped eating he turned to me, he put his head forward, and he looked right at me and listened intently. What is he doing? He's literally honoring other people. He's interested. He wants to hear because you've been here so long. Yes, I'm going to listen. Young people, we need to learn how to do that. Well, you don't understand. I'm 25 and I know everything. I will tell you, if you at 25 can get a hold of this principle, your entire life will be different. Does it make sense? Oh, they don't know what they're talking about. They're 60 and they've gone through this, but who cares? That's just old school. Some of it might be, I get it. But there's a lot there that you need to listen to. They've walked those steps. They've made those mistakes and they don't want you to make the same ones. 
But if you do not come with the one another, isn't that what we're talking about? If we don't come the one another together and humble ourselves and listen, oh, but we got it taken care of. I'm sure, what was his name? I'm sure Hitler had the same idea. You don't know what this is. I got this taken care of. This is me. Jim Jones had the same idea. And you could go on and on. Brigham Young. Do you, do you know why Brigham Young's name was Brigham Young? He literally went... Uh, anyways... He sent people back to get more ladies. Literally. Now that's not the reason why, but I'm just saying. When you stop listening to the Word and start going on on your own tangent, there ends up with problems. If the Word doesn't support it, chuck it. Amen? It's so important. That's why right now, and I'll just go on to this little excursion, if you will. Right now, the, there are ministers struggling with the Second Amendment of our country. They're struggling with, and here's why. Let me ask you. Is it a reality that guns are used to kill people? Is that a reality? Yes, it is. Now, I'm not sitting, listen, if you know me, you know where I stand emphatically but there is a conundrum because people are being killed by nonsensical non-thinking humans reality but there's there's principles too of protecting self that's a god-given responsibility from the word of god you are an infidel if you cannot protect your family so there is this issue that we're struggling with. It's a struggle. But to go this total way, well, just get rid of all the guns. That's not a biblical response. That is an emotional response based on unbiblical thinking. We need to be careful about this. Let nothing be, we got to listen to each other. Man, young people, please, I beg of you. Your parents aren't always right. I get that. But as long as you're in the house, they're always right. Amen? And there's some things that are like, wow, wow, like cutting the turkey in half. How many remember that, the issue? Anybody know what I'm talking about? So this, this lady, this very freshly married lady was at the uh, Thanksgiving dinner cutting the turkey in half. And the husband's like, what are you doing? By the way, when you cut a turkey in half, what's going to happen to that turkey? That is a problem with turkey all the time. Oh, why in the world do you think you have gravy every Thanksgiving? It's a must to fix the turkey. <laughs> Regardless, she cut it in half. What are you doing? Well, mom always did. Mom, why did you do it? Because grandma always did. Grandma, why did you do it? I had a half oven. I get it, some of those problems happen. 
But the reality is, if we don't listen, and this is the point, if we don't listen, you're going to have the same issues and worse than your parents did. There's not a one parent in here that's perfect. All parents should have said amen. Not one. They're going to make mistakes. But their motivation is because they love you. And they don't want you to fall into those same traps that they've seen or experienced. Listen to people. How does that look? What does that look like with, within us? Hey, listen to each other's issues. We need to talk with one another. Hi. Man, I talk to you all the time. The very time, very few times do I get to listen to you. But when we're doing these one another gifts, we need to be listening to each other. Only by listening to each other are we going to understand their problems. Somebody, this is one very simple aspect of thinking each other's first or honoring each other first. Here's the deal. When we go out there and have this fellowship hall, okay, that's when we discuss outside this auditorium, how many, or maybe even inside. How many understand that? If you don't listen to somebody, there's nothing to discuss. When visitors come for the first time, I see them over in the corner and over here and nobody's talking to them. And I'm like, dude, go! How many get that? That's dishonoring to them. Could you imagine coming to church and sitting in the corner and watching everybody else talk and no one talks to you? you say, well, pastor, you don't understand. I don't know how to talk to them. How hard is it to find out their name? Hello? I'm Joe. What's your name? How many could do that? Where do you do for a living? Why are you here today? Ask them questions and listen to them. Honor them. Instead, our motivations, no, I shouldn't say our motivations, our normal practices, ooh, new people, me scared. Right? That's what happens. Let nothing be done through. And by the way, if you're scared, what is that? Pride. It's pride. It's not genuine love. It's hypocritical. Let love be done. Let nothing be done with selfish ambition or conceit, but with lowliness of mind. Let each esteem each other better than themselves. So we need to be outdo one another in showing honor. I, uh, I just heard this last week and it just blew my mind away. How many know of our Wednesday night programs that we've had? Apart from, I can't wait till this summer or this fall when we can get back to our, 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 uh, our Bible institutes with our young people and our teenagers. I'm telling you, I still read those letters. I had, they wrote papers defending their views on scriptural issues like abortion and things like this. It's just phenomenal. I can't wait to get back to that. I remember some young lady sitting there said, I can't wait to do this. I can't wait. They're salivating to do it. Wanting to get write papers. Can you believe that? Here's the reality. When people want to write papers, 
Why do they want to write them? There's a passion. There's a love. If they're in school and they have to write the papers, is that totally different? It is. Anyways. So we have Wednesday night programs and we've had, we've had our, 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 our Christmas program based on Wednesday night stuff. How many remember that? We've had two plays, I think, or three. I don't even remember anymore. Literally this week I found out, someone said, why do you always get the parts? Uh, because they're there Wednesday night? Literally. That, that, it's like, you're being honored and I'm not. How many get this? How come they asked you? By the way, if we're going to have another Christmas program, guess what? It's the people that come Wednesday night that are going to participate. It's not hard. But they were so mad that I chose them to participate and not to somebody else. What is that? What is that? What's the motivation there? It's self. It's self. Listen, praise the Lord. By the way, Mr. Pierce makes a great innkeeper. Amen? And, and you can go right under. It, it's like, I tell you what, sometimes pastors cannot win no matter what they do. It, it doesn't work. Why? Because all of us are sometime, sometimes more than not selfishly motivated. I will be honest with you Maybe my wife can attest to this. My wife and I were one of the last people from Pillsbury to be at this one camp. And we were there, and we were with a bunch of other college um, counselors and leaders and all of this. We come to the last ceremony, and they give out an award for Counselor of the Year. Do you remember that? Counselor of the Year. And I, I had, this is the first time I've ever been to anything like this. I had no idea. And, and people come up to me and say, hey, Pat, hey, Tim. They didn't call me pastor, obviously. <laughs> this is your thing. This is it. What are you talking about? Well, they're going to give this award out. and You're the guy. Literally, I never forget this. This happened to me twice. He looked right at me and announced somebody else's name that was on the other side. And I, had no, I could care less. I really could care less. It had nothing to do with that. But I can imagine what that, in the very fact that these people who had been there before were talking about it, what were they doing? Focusing on themselves. They really were. I remember, and, and I'm using myself as an example because I don't want to embarrass anybody else, but I like to embarrass people. It's fun. <laughs> Soccer, how many of you played a sport in high school? Okay, for soccer, I was really fast. I was the fastest guy out there, bar none. They called me the blonde blur. And I'm not kidding. At 125 pounds, 5 foot 6, you can see why. <laughs> I mean, 
And everybody knew this team lived and died by whatever Tim did. There was one game I had nine goals. It was just, that's what happens when you have a slow defense, by the way. <laughs> Regardless, my senior year, we had an awards banquet. Uh, for two years in a row, I was told I, was, I had won technically, not technically, but I was given the MVP of the year for that whole region, for the whole state. And now it's down to my own school where there's only 14 boys playing soccer, 20 boys, whatever. And they say, okay, now for the MVP of our soccer team goes to, and he gave it to some eighth grade boy. At that moment, I was blown away. I was hurt. Why? I deserve that in my mind. <laughs> in my, I mean, and here's what happened. I'll never forget this. The young man that got that came up to me. He was about to cry. He said, Tim, I don't know what in the world happened, but this is yours. This isn't mine. What did, did that young man at the, in eighth grade understand this issue? That eighth grade boy knew more than most adults do. Why? This is the point. Genuine love is honest, humble, and seeks others' honor before himself. Looking back on it, in my arrogance, I would have gone up to him and said, you didn't deserve that. I didn't do that, but do you understand? Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. They are the exact opposite of humility and honesty. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. We must be doing that. Why? Why Why do that? Because here's why. You did nothing to receive that gift. How many understand that? God gave it to you. It's God's gift working through you. And I will tell you this, you cannot be the Christian you ought to be without the others encouraging you, amen, with their gifts. I will tell you this. This is how it should be. And I'm not, please don't get this as arrogant or brash or anything like that. You should be thankful that God has given you a pastor that preaches the word. And I need to be thankful for the people in this auditorium that turn around and encourage me. And I think that gift is greater than my gift. Amen? That's the issue. I can only grow as much as other people are encouraging me in the Word. Thank you so much, by the way. I've gone through the D-Men program now for two and a half years. For two years. That has encouraged me so much, and each of you have been a part of that. But you see, what happens is, when you've sacrificed and pushed me through that, now I can give you and encourage you more than I have before. Does that make sense? 
Man, I look back at when I preached when I was a little kid, when I was like a high school. I remember the first message I preached. You are saved by grace, not by faith. What? <laughs> I literally preached that message. Was that immaturity and scaredness and all that? Absolutely. But I tell you what, by the grace of God, using people like you and you and you and encouraging each other, we just keep growing and growing and growing and growing. Maybe not numerically, but I will tell you this, this is a maturing church and I praise God for it. Amen. In essence, I need you just as much, if not more, than you needing me. And that's what it should be with everybody in this room. But unfortunately, we don't even talk together. How are you going to know? It's called distance encouragement. You've got to be kidding me. When I come here and I see somebody on, a, on the mower, oh man, thank you for that encouragement. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Or someone mopping the floor, vacuuming the floor, whatever it is. We need each other. We cannot live as much as we should be living without each other. This church should motivate each and every one of us to serve each other more, to be more of a glory to God than we are. Amen? That's the issue. So genuine, genuine love, go back here, genuine love out honors others. It leads in the honoring. You should be in that face of that person that's here for the first time say, hey, who are you? Where are you from? I mean, get to know them instead of disrespecting them and ignoring them. That's what honoring is. You're important. Amen. Get to know them. Get to know them. Next one in the text. Oh, my goodness. We are not going to get to this. It's 10 to 12. It's 7 to 12. I'm just going to introduce this because this is a big one. There's not a person in here who does not fit into this. Genuine love is not lazy. I will tell you today, we live in a lazy world. Each and every one of us have a propensity to laziness. Matter of fact, it is so bad, seminarians are encouraging that laziness is going to define heaven. Hey, there's no work up there. Liar! <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean? Now, does the Bible talk about um, work for the night is coming when there is no work to be done. I would say that's going to be talking about Sheol. And it does, and we'll show you the verses. Folks, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 24 and 25, very clearly, for the one guy, one was given one talent, responsibility, right? One was given two talents, one was given five talents, how many remember that? In the end, what happened to the guy that had one talent and was lazy? 
What happened to him? His responsibility was taken away and given to the two talent or to the five talent guy, I think. And he doubled the talents, right? Some t- Why? What is that a picture of, by the way? The millennial kingdom. I tell you what, if you don't like work, you ain't going to like the millennial kingdom. Because according to the text, God is going to multiply your responsibilities for being a good steward now. Matter of fact, doubling the work. So how does that work? Because we love it and enjoy it, and it's a glorification to God. We have been created, and this goes right into the dissertation I'm working on my D-men right now on. We have been literally created to work. Amen? We're created to serve God. That means work. Here's what's awesome. The reason we sometimes get frustrated with work is the depravity infects the work. It, it, it hinders the work. Guess what? That'll be gone. Oh my. No blown tires. No broken tool. We just get to serve. And serve freely and openly and no hindrances. Kind of like the Babylon. Coming out of Babylon, they went to Israel, right? To rebuild the what? The walls. And why was it such a fiasco? There was constant hindrance over and over and over and over. All those hindrances will be gone. And it'll be great. Amen? What a great thing. By the way, I'm going to end with this. We talked about heaven and laziness. Okay, so literally, my wife and I were sitting in the class. This guy said, yeah, I can't wait to get to heaven. We're going to play golf all day. First of all, the guy's nuts to play golf all day. But despite that, there's guys that like golf. I get it. How, what, what makes golf fun and enjoyable on this earth today? <laughs> I have no idea either. Amen. <laughs> I have no earthly clue. <laughs> One of the things I can imagine, because it's, mostly, it's not all men, but mostly it's men. I'm, it's not all though, okay? Don't get me wrong. But it's the challenge to see how close you can get to the hole, right? What is the challenge when everything you do is perfect? Hold one. Hold one. That doesn't even make sense. What? And by the way, what is golf having anything to do with serving God? When you play golf, you are serving yourself. You're enjoying yourself. Ha! There are so many facets of this that really concern me. We will serve God and we will so love it. We will so love it. Now, what does that look like? 
Again, there were people saying, well, we're not sitting up there strumming the, the harp. What about the musicians that enjoy serving the Lord by strumming the harp? You see, even their characteristic of heaven is self-motivated, not others-minded. Literally, even bringing up golf. That's self-motivated, not others-minded. These are the teachers of the young people growing up to preach the Word. Genuine love is not lazy. We're going to be dealing with that next week. How many followed what we talked about this morning? Honoring others. It's so important. It's so important. Matter of fact, it's, it's biblical. It's just the Bible. Imagine that. Man, Scripture is so awesome. It's like it sets us in our place where we belong and doesn't make ourselves think of ourselves more highly than we ought to because it corrects us every day, just like each and every one of us should be doing with the one another. Serving each other by giving the text every day. It's not opinion, it's text. Man, how can you argue with that? Amen. Scott, I'm going to have you stand and close us in a word of prayer, if you would, please.